turn your wood to Daniel chapter number 9. And if you have a Schofield Bible, that'll be page 913. 913. I hope you got your Bible tonight. Amen. Hope you got your Bible tonight. Amen. And uh, I hope you'll hear. Listen. And um, amen. I'm convinced that we usually get just about as much out of a service as we want. Amen? If we want a lot, we get a lot. We don't want much, then we don't get much. If we want a nap, we'll get a nap. Usually get about what we want. Amen? Comes to the priorities that we put on the Word of God and, and hearing. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But tonight I wonder, if you would be interested, if you could to slip up beside this Old Testament prophet and listen to him pray. I wonder if you would be interested in hearing what he has to say. Well, tonight what a privilege we have because we will get the opportunity to do just that. In Daniel chapter number 9, we get to listen in as a man of God, this old prophet. He's not a novice. He's not a beginner. He's not a teenager. He's 80 years of age. But he's been a praying since he was a teenager. He didn't just start. And this, this old man now that finds a place and begins to pray, I wonder what is he going to say? How is he going to pray? Someone said, man, I would to God I knew how to pray. You can learn from just this chapter. So let's stand together and we'll read maybe just one or two verses here. And then we'll get into the message. And I set my face, verse 3, unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord, my God, and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love Him, to them that keep His commandments. Let's go to the throne of grace. I'm going to ask Brother James Weinbarger, if he would, to please pray. Amen. You'll be seated. With the help of God, I want to preach on the positive power of prayer. Daniel begins to pray in chapter number 9, and he gives one of the most detailed, most passionate confessions you will ever hear. As a matter of fact, the only request he makes comes towards the end of the chapter. Interesting, because most prayers don't begin 
with confessions. As a matter of fact, we, we usually say something, Lord, forgive me for my sins and feel no more need to get more specific. And yet the Bible says we all come short of the glory of God. See, sin, when it has a, a path that it takes, when we sin, we separate ourselves from God. That may not mean much to you. It means everything to my own heart. We continue to sin. God chastens us because He loves us. But we don't respond right to chastening. Then we continue to spiral downward into regret and anger and bitterness and we simply just get in a bigger mess. But I was interested in something I read this week and, and uh, my God, the Bible is so true. You know, many times God doesn't intervene. He lets the principle of sowing and reaping just take its course. If you read the, the story of the prodigal son, very popular story, you'll find that that God didn't intervene with that boy. Righteous living will steal your money. And when famine comes, you're going to be out. And you begin to be in one. He was a natural course of what he sowed. He and many times God simply lets us reap what we have sown. Then we've come to the end of the bottom of our resources then we've got nowhere else to go but up. Amen. And um, sometimes these lessons are hard to learn be, uh, for all of us. Amen. There's three significant chapter nines in the Bible. And I, I thought it was amazing. I, uh, like Brother Gillum would say, you'd almost think God wrote the Bible. Uh, Ezra chapter number nine Nehemiah chapter number 9 and Daniel chapter number 9, all of them have a prayer. They are these men of God that are praying. So tonight, let's look and listen as Daniel is praying. First of all, we see where prayer begins, verses 1 through 3. In the first year of Darius, the son of Azarias, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years where the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. I don't know where he got it, but he's got a copy of the word of the book of Jeremiah that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Number one, don't miss this. His prayer begins with a spiritual insight. He's reading Jeremiah. Now what's he reading in Jeremiah? Well, he's reading Jeremiah 29 verse 10. For thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and will perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. I love this statement. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. He said, after 70 years, I'm going to come and I'm going to visit you. Daniel starts counting up the years, and Daniel realizes that in just about three to four years, or it could have been as close as two to three years, 
they were going to be out of captivity. Now, if you, if you ask Daniel, those things going on around him, if that was possible, he would have said, ain't no way. But he had a word from God. And tonight, if we have a word from God, even though it may look like an impossibility, if you got a word from God, it's going to God do exactly what He said He would do. Every single time. Not only was there a spiritual insight, but there was a serious purpose. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication. Now I notice, here's how he's praying. Fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Fasting simply means this. You're so focused on the Lord that food no longer matters. How bad do you want God to do something for you? How much do we want our children saved? How serious are we wanting God to do something for us? Have you ever got serious enough with God that you would push the table back and not eat? I'm not just, I, I don't want to eat now. I've got to find God just to push the table back. Fasting. Number two. By the way, it's going to shock you. I know Christians, preachers, don't even believe in fasting. I don't know what they're going to do with this. Number two. Why in sackcloth, mourning over the sins of Israel. Would you do me a favor? If you ain't prayed for this nation, shut up. Shut your mouth. We want to get serious about our nation? Let's start fasting. Let's start praying and begging God to turn this nation. We believe. You know why we don't do that? Because we don't believe God can change it. We give more credibility to this world than some that they ain't got something like that to talk about. They ain't got nothing else to talk about. Sin and ashes. It's interesting. It speaks of the destruction of Jerusalem and him joining those in exile. So he comes and he prays. He's serious about it. I mean, he's serious. He's not playing the game. He's serious about his praying. So he puts on, he begins to fast, begins to pray for the nation. So that's how it begins. But notice how prayer proceeds. Oh my goodness, number one, from verses 4 to 11, confession. That's all he's doing. Listen, and, and there's, there's two words, it's mentioned six times. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love Him and to them that keep His commandments, we have... Did you get them two words? Sin. And committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts. 
and from thy judgment. Neither have we, two words, hearkened to thy servants the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but in us confusion of faces, as of this day to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel that are near and that are far off, to all the countries where thou hast driven them because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against us. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princesses, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belongeth mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Number two, neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he said before us by his servants the prophets. Yea, all Israel hath transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. Six times he said, we have, have we? He said, Israel's acted wickedly, rebelled, transgressed, disobeyed, wouldn't listen. Oh my goodness. And perhaps the strongest statement comes in verse 7. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but in us confusion of faces. What in God's name does confusion of faces mean? It means this, covered with shame. And we live in a shameless society. Uh, filled with shameless people doing shameless deeds. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 6.15, one, one of the most powerful passages, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? Nay. They were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them the fall at the time I visit them. Cast down, saith the Lord. Sin brings shame. and always separates us from God. But there's no shame. There's no shame. We sin, no shame. We don't even blush no more. We, we, we laugh while we sin. I may a boo-boo. It ain't really that bad. Oh, I know I should have done that. And all the time God said, you acted wickedly. You sinned. See, we fail to understand that when we do that without any shame, then what we're saying is we're close to having a seared conscience. I'm not so sure in so many ways, in so many ways, our country today is quickly moving into a seared conscience. What do you mean by seared conscience? Nothing moves us. Nothing. Ex- nothing we, we, we sin, and it's not about the sin. It's about what we can get by and not get caught. 
seared conscience. Daniel starts talking. Now he he's praying. Have you ever heard a prayer like that? Dear God, where's I mean graveyard honest. He said, My grandfather sinned. I followed him. My children have sinned. Now my grandchildren have sinned. He said, All this it, this didn't happen in one motion. He said this was a deliberate, repeated disobedience against God. Oh, I want you to know, God said, listen. He said, you've done wickedly. Now, I love this. He, he done something. It's amazing. He, he didn't say, them dirty Babylonians. He didn't mention them. He, he didn't, not one time did he say, them miserable Philistines, not one time. He's no finger pointing, no brain gang. He's not, he's, not t- he's not blaming nobody else. But Daniel said, we have sinned. We've not listened. It'd be shocking how many hadn't heard a word I've said tonight. It would shock you. Don't tell me if you hadn't. I really don't want to know. I'd just like to believe everybody heard. Amen. Now we're talking about his prayer. A confession. Number two. Then there's an agreement. He agrees with God. Verses 12 through 15. Notice what he said. He hath confirmed his words which he spake against us and against our judges that judge us by bringing upon us a great evil. First time, evil. For under the whole heaven hath been done been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil, notice again, it's come upon us. Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore God watched upon the evil brought upon us. Here's what he's saying. Here's what he's just saying. Three times God, he said, evil has befell Israel. Here's what, Lord, you told us is going to happen. Guess what? We sinned. And you did exactly what you said you would do. He said, um, got no complaints against you. We deserve what's happened to us. Now you listen. I know you're not going to like this, but it'll be all right. Our nation, our nation, it's going down the tubes because God's people, when the time they could have stepped up and said something, never. We went to our own things. We went and enjoyed our pleasures. We had our good. We done what we wanted to do, and now there's a stronghold on this nation of everything you can imagine. And don't miss this: when God judges. We're going to get what we deserve. We're going to get what we deserve. We're killing a million and a half babies a year. Somewhere God's going to step in. I mean, we are openly blaspheming everything God is. Somewhere God's going to step in. And when He does, that's going to fall on the just and on the unjust as well. Now, we've got the promises of God. Amen. I appreciate that. I'm thrilled with what God's got for us. But can I say this? 
Too many of our prayers are hindered because we blame God or someone or something else. If I'd only made someone else better, if only the boss wasn't a jerk, if our kids behave better, if I had a nicer house, if I could get a better job, if only, if only, if only. And what we secretly think is that God has not done what He said He's done. And what happens? We get a root of bitterness. We end up unhappy today, miserable tonight, and angry tomorrow. Amen. Oh, you say, Lord, I, I don't understand everything that's happened to me, but this I know. Everything good I have comes from your grace, and were it not for you, I would have nothing at all. I love a brother. I got so much help yesterday. Brother Gillum was a preaching. And he said, the Lord was at the hinder part of the ship on a pillar. Do you know why his head was on a pillar? How many knows? Don't you throw it with me answering. Do you know why his head was on a pillar? Do what? I know. Because you had one, that's why. Amen. And they said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I love this. He said he walked to the bow of the ship, said peace. The word peace means shut up or shh. But he made this statement worth the whole trip over there. He said just a couple times in my life has God ever calmed the storm around me. But time and time and time again, He's looked to me and said, Shh, calm to me. Hank calmed the storm, but He calmed me. I like that, amen? Confession, an agreement. He said, God, we've gotten everything we deserve. They've been in captivity. I told you this Sunday, and I need to tell you again. Now, I'm not in your business. This is between you and God. But I told you, do you know why they're in captivity? They're in captivity because God said, so many, ever, ever so many, every seventh year, I believe it is, the land's supposed to rest. And they, and they said, God, you, you're a great God, but you don't know beans about planting anything. They took God's year. And God said, I'll take it back. And He did. Be careful about taking God's day. He'll take it back. That's extra. Then He comes with the petition, verse 16 through 19. Now I want you to notice the intensity of His word. It's not, oh Lord, no. Oh Lord! That's how it was written. Oh Lord! According to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee. 
Let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from the city of Jerusalem, thy holy mountain because of our sins, and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people have become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, oh, our God, hear the prayer of thy servant. His supplication, he calls thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that's desolate for the Lord's sake. Oh my God, incline the ears, thine ear, and hear thine ears. Behold our desolation in the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplication before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. And oh my goodness, don't miss this. He really, he, verse 19 said it all. Oh Lord, hear! Oh Lord, forgive! Oh Lord, hearken and do! Defer not for thine own. Oh Lord, my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. He is not praying a lay me down to sleep prayer. He is pouring his heart out to God because he needs God to save the city. My, the passion. And he don't do it on his basis. He does it on God's character. Verse 4, he says, you're awesome. Verse 4, he said, you'll keep your promises. Verse 7, you're righteous. Verse 9, you're forgiven. Verse 15, you have a great name. Verse 18, you're a merciful God. I love that. You're a merciful God. See, so many times we pray because we secretly think we've earned the right to ask God to bless us. We think God owes us. I go to church every time the doors are, God owes me. Oh my goodness, God don't owe you nothing. God don't owe us nothing in this world. God ain't never owed us anything. You know what you're thinking? You know what that is? That is your ignorance of not knowing Him. You don't know Him. You don't know Him. You would never, that would never enter in your mind if you truly knew Him. Number three, where prayer leads. While I was speaking and praying, I love this. And confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, while I was speaking in prayer. Has your children, is your children going to heaven? Are your children saved? Well, there's some of you would stand up and say, yeah, pastor, I, I know my children. So how do you know? How do you know? Do they love the things of God? Do they love the house of God? Uh, tell me, tell me, how do you know? Have your children ever heard you praying for them that they might not miss hell? Because if they're not saved, don't kid yourself. They're going to go. They're going to go. The Guzmans used to sing a song. And it was about a man that had a dream. And he woke up and took the judgment seat. And his little girl and his family's there. And they began to sing, Sorry, Daddy, you can't go with us. 
Serve the God that you serve while you walked on earth. I, you know the song? Uh, it, it's an old song. Sorry I never knew you. Oh my goodness. It's going to be a reality. It's going to be reality. Daniel's, he's broken, he's burdened. And, and I know, yet, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I was seeing in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me. About the time of the evening oblation. Daniel explains a ram and a goat in chapter 8, but he comes to Daniel in prayer. And here's what he tells him. He says, and he begins to inform him that uh, God heard exactly what he was just saying. What he's saying is, Daniel, you got God's attention. You got God's attention. Isaiah 65, 24, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. And he said, I love this. He said, I want to give you some insight to what's going on in verse 22. And then four men talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I'm now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. He said, I, he said, when we begin to pray, we need to understand, when we begin to pray, we move into to a whole new, different world than this world will ever be. We, we move into God's world when we begin to pray. And uh, it, it's amazing what, what God can do. And, and uh, the best kind of praying changes us on the inside. Thy will be done. Then notice the encouragement he gave him. At the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth. I am come to show you, thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Here's what he's saying. He's saying God's not going to answer the prayer because you've asked or you're good or nothing about you. Here's why God's going to answer the prayer for you, Daniel. Because He loves you. Because He loves you. Here tonight if you're saved. I said if you're saved. Preacher, do you believe everybody's saved? No, 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 no. You say, do you know who? No, I don't. No, I don't. But I sure wouldn't want to die with what some of you have. I'm just, I just know what I got. And I tell you this much, we're too close to the end of this thing to be playing the game about where you're at or not. You better know. You better know. First, it don't encourage us all to pray. I, I like it. Don't tell them, but I like it when my children need me. And God likes it when His children need Him. Second, Daniel's prayer reminds us no matter how much we've sinned, there's a possibility of mercy and grace and forgiveness from the Lord. How far can we go in sin before God will no longer forgive us? The answer is no one knows. No one knows. If we're faithful, He's faithful. Now, they're in Babylon. And it's interesting. You would have thought Babylon was punishment for disobedience. It was. But it was more than that. It was chemotherapy. Their idol worship. 
was their chemotherapy to cure them of their idol worship. You realize God can bring things in your life that will cure you from that which separates you from God. I love this. But He don't let you out of His reach. And when you learn it, my, what do you learn? Now, so tonight, I want to pray this prayer for you. It's in the back of the notes here as well. Because we've got to be able to pray. Our country's in a mess. Our family's in a mess. How many of you tonight have a family member, their marriage is in trouble? One? Several. Several. How many of you have got family members that you don't, you're not sure they're saved? Well, we, we got some. How many of you got family, you, you, know, you know that, well, you need to touch, you need to touch heaven. And God just right now brings somebody to mind that, that you need to be praying for. Right, right now, while, while we're just sitting here, just us, and I, I, I've kind of cut it short on purpose tonight, because right now, how many's got somebody right, right now, because the God's brain brought to your mind, said, oh man, I, I need to pray for this individual. Right now, your, your person, you, individually, has God brought anybody to mind that you said, man, I, I, I need to pray for this person. God brought somebody to my mind. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come and pray for that person. But listen to this prayer. Father, we thank you for the potter's hand that is shaping us into the image of Christ. We're glad that even the worst moments of life fit in your plan for us. Grant us faith to believe. Thank you for loving us more than we know or could ever imagine. Thank you for the promises that give us hope for better days to come. And until then... Help us to keep believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Right now, I want you to bring that person. Now don't come and say, now God, they're not too bad. Well, my kids ain't really too bad, preacher. You know, they're really pretty good kids. And I think they're going, you know, they, I, I think I've seen them get something. Stay in your seat. You're wasting your time. Wasting your time. You just, you just lying to yourself. No, no, no. I'm talking about getting graveyard honest. Dear God, this person, they're living in sin. They say they're saved, but they don't live like they're saved. So God save them. God, they're, they're, they're living wickedly. God, they, they, they nothing. I see nothing Christian about them at all, God. I'm talking about getting honest with where they're at. Daniel got graveyard honest with the nation. He didn't believe, he didn't, believe, he didn't, he didn't even soften it up. And you say, well, preacher, you, you're making me bad. No, I'm trying to give somebody honest enough about where they're at so they miss hell. So they miss hell. 
because they're not praying for their self. The crowd they're running with is not praying for them. Who is? Who is? Now some of you used to pray that way. I used to catch some of you praying for some of your family. Ain't caught you in a long time. Hey, I used to pray for my family. I kind of got a little slack on that. And we need to pray because I'll be honest. Boy, Daniel's prayer. I'm standing over here in the corner. I'm listening to him praying. And I said, oh my gosh. Whoa, Lord. You know, God, he cut, he cut no slack at all. God and nation of Israel sinful. They're wicked. They're, they're, their heart's wicked. And, and uh, Oh, maybe, maybe you need to pray for yourself. God, I got all bitter, complaining, critical. All I do is complain and murmur and bellyache. And that's all I do. I ain't thankful for nothing. Boy, that's a good place to start for God to do something very great for you. You say, oh man, preacher, this is Wednesday night. You ain't both. Oh, no. And we can get honest with our own heart then God will never... See, before prayer changes anything, prayer will change you. Amen? Daniel comes. He's broken. Oh, Lord! Oh, my God! He's not... He ain't doing this. Oh, okay. Lord, you, you touch him and say, Amen. Okay, hurry. Let's go. Go and run home watch TV. Hurry, let's go. Let's go. go yeah. No, 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 no. Daniel, oh Lord, oh my God. It's all stand to their feet, every head bowed.